0: Well, we're still here. This is The Nature of Things, and uh, I guess this is quarantine edition, maybe round one. Um, I'm Tom. This is Peter. And uh, we typically get together with some regularity and discuss The Nature of Things. Um, Apologies for the delay between episodes one and two to all of our uh, devoted fans or fan. We'll be much more
1: prompt about these next ones. Um,
0: Yeah, absolutely. We have, uh, as it turns out, a good deal more time on our hands, and we will uh, get into that a little bit later. Um, But uh, Peter and I know each other pretty well, having lived together for a couple years in college, but um, you listeners out there, uh, poor souls that you are, you guys might not know us as well. So we like to kick off our episodes with a a kind of icebreaker question. And uh, Peter, I understand you've got a pretty topical icebreaker question uh, for us today
1: that's right yeah so the icebreaker question today Tom is what is your most ambitious quarantine plan you probably have a lot of time on your hands so what are you gonna get up to
0: yeah good question a couple things come to mind um, the the first is is finishing a draft of a novel um, very nice I do have a couple of novel drafts uh, under my belt from college and grad school. Um, I read a couple of
1: these. Oh yeah, listeners, yeah. by the way,
0: they're pretty good. Uh, pretty good, not bad. Not, not gonna move any mountains, but uh, anyway, I so I'm getting married uh, June sixth, which is a few months from this recording date, and uh, as a wedding gift to my uh, now fiance, I I'm gonna try and get a draft of a novel ready for her. Um, so that one. Oh, that's is, awesome. Yeah. Does she
1: know about this?
0: Yes. She she uh, she laid down the gauntlet. Um,
1: I didn't know if we were gonna have to hide all future episodes from her. Spoiler alert.
0: Yeah. Yeah. No. She knows that it's happening and is very good about making sure that I'm uh, staying on top of it, especially now that we have. a little bit more free time on our hands. The other one that I thought of, uh, and Peter, I know you and I kind of jokingly had this discussion, but um, I started kind of going down the rabbit hole of um, what might happen in a truly apocalyptic uh, circumstance around the whole coronavirus pandemic. And I thought, well, man, if the grocery stores are gonna run out of food, like, do I just need to start growing my own plants? And I need to start a garden. I need to start a garden um, the so that's another one that's kind of cooking around in my head is do we need to uh, get a little box garden or a small greenhouse or something in the backyard um, and learn how to cultivate beans and lettuce and other vegetables I hear
1: lentils are pretty easy to grow actually is that right yeah that's what I, that's what I'm I hear that's what I hear having grown it myself
0: uh- <laughs> So you hear from your own experience that it's easy to grow lentils.
1: (laughs) No, I haven't grown them myself.
0: Oh, I I thought you said having grown them myself, I hear they're pretty easy to grow. I was like, well, Uh, don't toot your own horn there too much.
1: (laughs) I got a green thumb, you know.
0: Yeah. Um, Well, you're out in Colorado, so, you know, I don't know. Self-growing of crops is is more uh, frequent out there.
1: Not, not so much. I mean, mm. definitely some people self-grow some green things out here,
0: but... Yeah, sure, sure. Um, but not lentils. <laughs> but not lentils. Fair enough. Um, well, those are, my, those are my quarantine plans, at least for now. Who knows what the world's going to look like in two weeks. Um, we'll come back with another episode then. Yeah. But how about you? Um, one thing for me is that
1: I have a book, Salt, Fat, Acid, Heat, by... Yes. Samin Nosrat. Um, I've heard of it. I, I've, I've definitely like seen that title yeah, it around. Yeah, was, it was released to some acclaim. Um, and I'm trying to learn to be a better cook. Mm-hmm. Um, learn to actually enjoy cooking, I should say, which is a yeah. pretty big challenge for me because I don't like cooking. Yeah, um, same. So we'll see how it goes. How, I actually, have you made
0: any progress on that? Or I've or made that a just... little bit of progress. Um, okay, tell me more.
1: So the book is divided into four sections, salt, fat, acid, and heat. Yeah, good. Um, I've made it partway through the salt section. I didn't think it was possible to write 80 pages about cooking salt, but hey. Um, Here we are. Here we are. (laughs) That
0: person also had a lot of time on her hands, I guess, Maybe Uh, she
1: wrote this during a quarantine of her own. (laughs) Um, But it's actually pretty engaging, Um, and I've started taking into account some of the suggestions in the salt section, so... I haven't made it too fat yet, but that's coming soon, I guess.
0: Very cool. What what has been your most successful uh, salty excursion thus far?
1: So it'll sound funny, but like when I cooked pasta before, I did not salt the pasta water. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it actually makes a really big difference.
0: Does, okay, so my, my ignorance is going to show uh, tremendously here. My understanding was that somehow affected the way that the pasta boiled. Like the yeah, I think it, it boils at a,
1: boils at a lower temperature. Okay, so when that's you true. Salt it, I think um, awesome. I am not certain of that actually, but um, so did you?
0: Did you do like a side by side comparison? You were like, okay, here is pasta without salted water, and here is pasta with salted water, and it, and you could tell the difference. No, I kind of just did a just, taste thing?
1: It's a taste thing, yeah. You can, I mean, Mm. it just makes the pasta itself saltier.
0: Ah, well, I I can definitely get down with that.
1: Yeah, and it just tastes better. So,
0: so you're telling me that by the end of this uh, global pandemic, if all goes well, um, I'll have
1: at least one Michelin star.
0: There we go. And I'll, (laughs) you know what? You can use food from my garden uh, to, oh, yeah. See, this Correct. is
1: this is why we do this podcast, is really to just increase the number of pointless collaborations.
0: Yeah, exactly. Uh, we do have a lot of time on our hands now, so uh, we might need to find more creative ways to use that time. Well, let's get into it,
1: then. What are yes. we talking about?
0: Okay. Topical question. Um, sort of. I'm sure it will devolve into uh, our usual philosophical ramblings, but... Um, most of the country and and certainly large swaths of the of the world now are um, quarantined to various degrees right neither of us lives in california or new york so we aren't being told to stay in our homes Um, but because of this coronavirus pandemic we're all uh, suddenly missing our social lives Um, so the the general question to guide our conversation Peter is have we all lost our minds after one week of quarantine
1: yeah um, I think the answer is yes and yeah and let's just spend the rest of the show shrieking like banshees
0: good good that's a wrap uh... <laughs> 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 thank you it's not getting edited out Um. But since people may not want to listen to us shriek like banshees for the next 45 minutes or so, um, the kind of deeper question here, I think, is about us humans being uh, relational creatures or social animals. Because yeah. um, what I'm seeing and hearing and experiencing for myself is that suddenly, because I don't have... um social outlets, public spaces like bars and restaurants and sporting events and movie theaters and concerts, um, it really sucks. And I feel deprived of something. Mm. Um, And that seems like a fairly easy question, right? Like, okay, yeah, we're social creatures and we like gathering in social places and being around other humans. So I don't think that that's – I mean, maybe it's something to dive into. But what I'm more interested in is the fact that, like, yes, we're quarantined, but we're also more – connected than ever and so maybe the question I'm asking is like are we losing our minds because we have a different or a misguided or an unproductive understanding of what it means to be connected to another person
1: yeah I think that's a great question so the first thing I would ask is like that question what does it mean to be connected to another person Mm -hmm. what is enough right so once upon a time if you wanted to talk to someone you had to be there right and then maybe a bit after that you could send a letter or you could send you know eventually a telegram or that kind of thing so you could send the written word a thought right then you could make a phone call now you can make a video call so you know, we don't really consider a video call being a substitute for being there in person, but it's it's not bad. It's a close
0: approximation. Is it? Mm. I think that's, oh. the,
1: that's, the, that's what I would go after first. It's like, is making a video call actually good enough? Or is there something about being there in person that's really different?
0: Yeah. Yeah. Um, do you have any thoughts on that? I mean, do you have an answer to that question?
1: I don't. Maybe we can come up with one. Yeah. But I wondered to myself, like, okay, well, what if, let's take the opposite situation. You're in a room with someone physically there,
0: mm-hmm.
1: but you can't talk to them. You can just, like, look at each other. Yeah. Is that social? That doesn't seem social.
0: And is that a connection? And is know? that a
1: connection? Yeah.
0: Yeah. Okay. Okay.
1: Yeah, I guess I'm trying to dig it. Like, what do, what do we want when we say we want some social connections? Like,
0: mm. yeah, okay. So that's good. I think there's a couple of different things that um, are worth distinguishing, um, or or just a couple of branches to dive into. Okay. Um, one is the um, physical versus the, or not versus, but the other is. Um, what I'll call the interpersonal. Um, so okay. Because because it seems like the easy answer at first is yes. It's obviously always better to be uh, in person or or, or something um, psychologically or biologically about us. We respond to a physical person-to-person connection. I don't even, I don't even mean physically touching. Just being in the same physical space. Mm-hmm. We respond to that more meaningfully than a um, phone call or a FaceTime or an email or a letter, you know? Okay. So on one hand, it says, okay, well, that you know, problem solved right there. Just meet in person. Okay. Uh, but then you raise the interesting point of, uh, well, what if you're physically with someone, but you're not actually like doing any connecting? I was just having this conversation recently with, uh, my fiance and a couple of friends and we were talking about um a somewhat sad realization i guess that um our social lives often involve other people but do not um do not engage with other people so so here's what i mean like if we go out to a restaurant that we're really looking forward to uh, Not anymore. Trying. We've never, well, yeah, once upon a time. Remember Remember? Remember when? Um, <laughs> remember? Yeah. <laughs> but okay, so we're going out to dinner with some friends. that We really enjoy their company, and we all get along really well. Maybe it's a double date or something. And we're going to this restaurant that we've been really looking forward to trying out, right? Or maybe it's a restaurant that we really love, and we go frequently and all that. Mm-hmm. It sort of settled on me subconsciously that I was like, oh, wow, like I think when those instances happen, I'm— way more often thinking about like what my experience at the restaurant's going to be like, what I'm going to order, what cool drinks they have, if they have some special dish they're known for. Right. Mm. It's a little bit more rare that I'm like, you know what? I can't wait to have a conversation with this person about this topic, you know? Yeah. As if to suggest, it almost makes the people that you're with interchangeable, which sounds sad. No, Um, I, I understand. Yeah. So, so, In that sense, I wonder what has made... Because it seems like most of us can agree that in theory, a physical interaction with someone is preferable. And yet, here we are, like, pre-coronavirus, we had gotten into this sort of psychological rut of looking more forward to the experience than to the people that you experience it with.
1: Yeah, I think, that's, I think that's a really salient point because something I've noticed occasionally, and, and you may notice something like this too, is if you talk to someone who's like a, a fanatic mm-hmm. about anything. Uh, and I, I definitely fall myself into this category sometimes. But when you're talking to someone who's a fanatic, uh, you know, they'll they'll bring up a topic of conversation. And it, it could be, again, anything. I think we see it a lot these days with politics. And it's almost like they have a, a prepackaged performance for you.
0: Uh, okay, yeah.
1: And so like, and there's like, it's almost like there's a, a line in their script that says, wait for response. And then mm. they wait for you to respond and they kind of like nod their head and look or shake their head or do whatever they want. But then, like, the thing they say after that isn't really affected by what you said at
0: all. Right. It, it it just, yeah, it sort of understood, like, oh, I know that etiquette dictates that I should give someone a chance to speak, but I'm going to continue on with what I was going to say anyway.
1: Right. Um, and I, I know I've noticed myself doing that a couple times, and it, it always mm-hmm. makes me a little uncomfortable when I do notice that.
0: Um, oh, yeah. I mean, I can think about... A number of times where I'll be sitting in a discussion with people and I will think of something to say. And then I'll just hold on to that in my mind and then wait for a break in the conversation and then just say that, you know? Yeah. Even if the conversation may have moved on.
1: Right. You're like, oh, but totally it's such different. a
0: good point. I got to. Right. Yeah. <laughs>
1: if the world doesn't know how good my point was,
0: everything will be worse. Meaningless. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So that's. I mean, I think that's. At least very similar to what you're talking about where mm-hmm. the in this case you are the performer and the audience is interchangeable.
0: Yeah. You're that's still interesting.
1: It's like it's not a real interaction because they're you're in some sense just giving them this prepackaged thing and they are never uh, responding to it.
0: That's really good. I um I figure that at some point in the conversation we're probably going to get at social media and what better Definitely. time than now. <laughs> um, okay. This, this touches upon something that we talked about in our previous episode a little bit. Um, but I f- wonder if that point you're making about us sort of going out into the world with like prepackaged performances, if some of that is affected by, um, how we've also been trained to create, uh, like personas, like online hmm. curated personas. Oh, um, that's an interesting idea, whether it's your Facebook and choosing the right profile picture or coming up with a you know witty tweet or something, or you know, staging this or that Instagram post. I, I don't know, you know, I haven't used Instagram in a very long time, so uh, but you get the idea, right? That that. Um, since social media, and this is predates Facebook, I can think of, I guess, MySpace, um, you have been tasked with creating some version of yourself. Hmm. And it's easily kind of reducible to bits and pixels. And you then find yourself adhering to that, you know, at least hmm. online. Um, does that bleed over into our um, real physical social lives?
1: That's, an intri- that's, a, that's a really good question. So I have a belief, uh, and I think you'll see where this is going in a second, but mm-hmm. I have a belief that the only way to make something new is to combine two things that people already know. Okay, go on. So, in a sense, uh, if you're having a real conversation with a person, a real interaction, there's a risk that you might come up with something new. And whatever new thing you come up with might not be on brand.
0: Interesting. Okay. Okay. So you're saying that if you actually are engaging with someone, by which we mean being receptive to what they're saying and their feedback or just their contributions to a conversation.
1: And it changes what you're doing based on what they're doing. Yeah. Okay. You might say or do something that's not, to use my phrase before on brand with, with like what what you were mentioning with whatever you, with whatever personality you've come up with on social media that now you're not being true to.
0: Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So are we suggesting that our digital lives are like informing our physical lives? I mean, is that because I wonder if this human issue predates the internet, you know, I suspect it does. There's definitely a performative aspect to just being a human being, right? Um, Sure. When you raise your hand in the classroom as a kid or, or want to speak up in a, discussion in a college course like part of you subconsciously does so because you want to you know prove your intellect and prove your correctness and that sort of feeds the fire of being the persona of like a good student or a serious thinker or right but i
1: think in in all of those situations right there's uh there is some non-directly interacting audience
0: Okay. Yeah. Yeah. A classroom classroom. of other students. Yeah,
1: exactly. So, but imagine the opposite, the, like, not the opposite scenario, but like imagine a very intimate situation, like pillow talk, you know? Sure. You're not trying to say something based on what other people might, to affect how other people might think of you. You're very engaged with the person you're talking to. Mm Mm-hmm. And you're concerned about what they might think of you. But to me, that's less performative because you're likely to change the topic or change your response based on what they say.
0: That's true. Yeah. And it doesn't even have to be something like deeply existential. It might just be that the conversation meanders from the thing that you originally started talking about. Right. That's really interesting. Yeah. And, and, and what I'm hearing in that is that what connecting truly means um, versus just performing socially in front of an arranged audience is that it requires you, the performer, or you, the social engager, um, listening and responding to other participants. Yes. That you're going to have to do that. Um, Is that something we're bad at as humans?
1: I don't think so. I mean, it's kind of like
0: the closest
1: real performance I could think of to this would be improv. Okay, yeah. Where you and your fellow cast members are not scripted. The script evolves based on what each member does. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, and in this case there's still an audience, right? You mean you, there's still people watching the show, but at least within the cast members, there's a real interaction going on.
0: Mm. So it's spontaneous
1: too. It's sponta yeah I think it has to be spontaneous hmm so it,
0: it 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 naturally involves, listening to and responding to other people in a spontaneous way maybe okay Mm -hmm. because i could also imagine
1: like a a series of letters back and forth where you take a long time to contemplate your
0: response okay
1: yeah and i think that's still a a real social interaction but -hmm. it's not spontaneous
0: that's true but even then you're still writing a letter to one person right maybe yeah let's, Um, let's say yes for no. Okay. For, yeah. For the sake of this example, yes. Um, I mean, on one hand you do have an audience, right? It's just an audience of one. But maybe that's, maybe the point there is that, okay, yeah, you're always well, I'm, going I'm to I'm have. I'm kind
1: of s- drawing an arbitrary distinction here and saying, we're not going to call an audience of one an audience. An okay. audience is something you don't interact with.
0: Okay, I see what you're saying, but yeah. not, that's you know I'm just I'm just redefining the word, because in writing a letter, what you're what you're still doing is thinking about that person, mm-hmm. and writing toward them, mm-hmm. and if you had a long correspondence with somebody, a series of letters over the weeks or months or years, and if you read them all as one long thread, you would it would probably be pretty meandering because I you are probably responding to what someone is saying in that previous letter. Like, yes, oh, exactly. how is the weather where you are? And then that person might say, oh, it's really beautiful. I'm out in Colorado and there's been plenty of snow and so I'm getting to ski a lot. And then the other person says, oh, that's amazing. I've never been skiing before. Do you prefer skiing to snowboarding? And and so on and so forth. And so there's just a bit of a delay in that, like a sort of delayed fuse. And so, yeah, even right. though...
1: It's not gonna read like a treatise on political philosophy.
0: Right. Exactly. Yeah. So yes, you do have some time to like plan what you're going to say. It's not spontaneous in that sense, although it is the nature of the interaction is spontaneous.
1: Okay. Yeah. Even yeah. though it's not like it's that. not
0: instantaneous. Mm.
1: Okay. Spontaneous, not instantaneous. I can rock yeah. with that.
0: Okay, cool. Cool. So so a um Meaningful interaction is
1: Well let's not say meaningful yet. Let's just let's let's not let's not load it with that word just yet. Okay. I think we'll want to soon.
0: A a connective interaction? Yeah. All right, we'll go with that. A connective interaction is one that necessarily involves and responds to the other participant. Yeah. And is spontaneous even if it's not instantaneous
1: yeah so let's let's get back to what you were talking about where you were saying you know when you go out to a restaurant with good friends and it's it feels like you're more excited about the restaurant itself than the company of friends Mm -hmm. and that made you feel like these people are in some way interchangeable which is a sad thought i agree but let's let's stick with it for a minute And get back to what I was asking about before. If you're just like in a room with someone and not speaking with them, is that enough? Because that's kind of what we're saying here is that you are... You're still doing a kind of one directional communication where maybe you're going to say your speech and Mm -hmm. you'll wait politely. And in the gaps that you're waiting... They're saying their speech Mm -hmm. and then, you know, waiting politely while you're saying your speech. And at no point here is there ever any uh, connection or one person influencing the other's response. So to me, that's kind of like two people just like physically being in the presence of others. Right. Which is still something that you don't get from uh, FaceTime. Right. So is that good? Do we get anything from that?
0: Interesting. Interesting. Um, I want to go two places on that. First, um, I think when you first brought up that scenario, correct me if I'm wrong, but I I think you laid out that maybe the two people aren't even talking to each other. They're just like sitting there. Maybe I just sort of projected. No, no. I said. Yeah. 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 Um, So that's an interesting idea to me. It's just like sitting in a room together crucially not doing other things not like you're both reading a book or you're both watching a movie or something like you're just sitting there and you're doing everything but talking you know like Mm. looking at each other and that sort of thing
1: well Um, let's say that you're not though because i could imagine there's some like significant amount of nonverbal communication
0: sure so let's say
1: that you are doing something else though let's say you're reading a book
0: okay yeah Yeah. um
1: i think there is something there actually Mm mm-hmm like, just you and another person sitting in the same room reading a book. Yeah. What kind of interaction would you call that? I have no idea.
0: Yeah, because that doesn't quite fit the criteria we've used for the connective relational experience. No. Because there's no back and forth between the, the yeah, participants. Not at all. Um, similarly, and this is where you're other scenario of two people just talking at each other Mm -hmm. um, kind of fits that category too. Um, Yeah, exactly. Exactly. To me, those seem like very
1: similar things. Yeah, Um, And so, you know, that's why I didn't want to say that the two people talking at each other is not meaningful.
0: Right. I got you.
1: Because I actually really enjoy just, for example, uh, you know, reading a book on the same couch as someone else hmm mm-hmm. It's very pleasant. Um, and yeah. I think it it adds something that reading a book on the couch by myself doesn't have.
0: What do you think that is? Because I, I agree with you. Yeah, I'm uh, trying to I'm figure trying it out.
1: To, yeah. Um, solidarity is kind of a weird word, but that's the best I've got right now. So here,
0: here's one thought. Um, okay. Maybe... I think that we as human beings are um, biologically attuned to being relational or social. Hmm. Um, The sort of evolutionary examples are like a man alone or a woman alone is just going to die. (laughs) Like you you necessarily need the other party to, you know, procreate. Hmm. Um, maybe there is even an innate sense of wanting to have that connective experience. Mm. Um, Or similarly, if you think about like sort of hunter gatherer type um, societies, like way, way, way back in the day, um, it seemed that we realized as human beings that we were stronger as a community. Um, We we had a better chance of survival if we like banded together. So are you
1: suggesting that just being in the presence of someone else sort of Ticks a biological checkbox. I wonder if it does. Where you're, yeah, where you're it, satisfied because you're like, ah, here's another yeah. person.
0: If it taps into that primal sense of presence, um, mm. you know, from from a primal presence, yeah, and there's a nice ring to it. Yeah, I mean, from from the perspective of my faith, this is like kind of an easy one, right? Because you have Adam in the Garden of Eden, and he was alone right and he was created in the image of god who is you know triune like hmm. inherently relational but hmm. he didn't have the other half of the relational equation that's why god created eve you know interesting um so i think that th- those are those answer the question kind of similarly that maybe it it just very deeply subconsciously checks that like primal presence box that we cannot get over the Phone or over FaceTime because we can't prove that that person is physically there. You know. Okay.
1: So here's. So let's let's. Yeah. Let's get into it now, though. Okay. Because I think this is going somewhere pretty interesting. So I think we both agree that there is something. There's some kind of primal presence checkbox mm-hmm. that that is satisfied just by being around someone. Even without this, like, real connective interaction. Right. Just like, they're there, you're there, cool. Yes. Okay. So now, can we substitute that? Can we, can we replace that with a real connective interaction? So right now, you and I are having a conversation, uh, you know, a thousand miles away, give or take. Mm-hmm and we're playing off what each other are saying. Right. If we can do that successfully and not just take in to this podcast whatever preconceived ideas we had about what it should be about if we can really connect with each other and make this kind of connective interaction is that a good substitute for this primal presence. Oh wow. Okay, I see what you're saying. Yeah. Cuz here's what I want here's here's where my mind's going with this. Maybe one of the problems with social media, with FaceTime, uh, is that we're not used to doing this connective thing. Right. And that's okay, for the most part, because we have this this primal presence of the other that checks this this subconscious box, and so it's fine if we just talk at each other. It's fine if we don't have that real interaction. But then when you don't have that presence... Can you substitute for it
0: by having this real interaction? Wow, that's really interesting. Okay, I, I like that because because what you're what you're saying here is that maybe uh, if I'm following is that social media was created in a world where we could still physically be with people, mm-hmm. going out to bars and restaurants and sporting events and concerts and so on. Um, so social media never had to scratch that itch of connective yeah. experience, right? Um, and in fact, it was built on just pure engagement on people, an audience responding to a performer, even if it felt like it was your friends, you know? Yes. It was still who's the funniest or who's the prettiest or who's whatever, the cleverest, you know. Right. Or most insightful political commentator on Facebook, whatever. Sure. Um, but now that we're in this quarantine world where the um, physical checkbox is, is, is sort of robbed of us, Right. Um, At least in most instances. I mean, I, you know, I'm still allowed to see people in small groups and can leave the house here in Tennessee for now. But generally speaking, in a world that feels deprived of that physical presence checkbox, suddenly we're finding that social media was never made to make a connective experience even though that's a word that they use a bunch is, you know, Facebook is connecting the world to each other or whatever. Right.
1: And obviously we're defining words in our own special ways. Sure. Um, but I think that's right. And what I'm asking also is like, do we think a connective experience can even substitute for that primal presence?
0: Mm. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Is that, I mean, I just, you know, kind of winged it. I don't know if that's true. I don't Honestly, know if there is yeah. a way to substitute for that.
0: Yeah, I um, I think you can get close. Like I do, I think suspect there, so, too. Yeah, I, I think you can get close. I think that there is some merit to doing what we're doing, which is having, even though it's digitally from across the country, some kind of interchange of ideas and responding to one another. But I think about um, the way that this podcast originated, which um, for... Those listeners who weren't in the room, which is none of you, uh, because it was just me and Peter, um, back in the summer slash fall, Peter uh, was biking across the United States, starting in California and making his way all the way to Charleston, South Carolina. In how long did it take you again? Uh, 52 days. Yeah, sure. Just a a quick jaunt across the country on a bicycle. Anyway, um, Peter stopped in Nashville and stayed with me for a few days. And we hadn't seen each other for a while. Um, we kind of ended up sort of picking up where we left off, which was, you know, in our college dorm room, however many years ago, we would have these sort of meandering philosophical conversations and um, talking about this and that into the wee hours of the night with no real purpose or goal in mind. It felt, you know, and maybe maybe I'm... No, I think that's Rose-colored right. glasses seeing this. No, but I,
1: I have them too.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and so we sort of recreated that and we were sitting in my living room and having these conversations that, you know, went on for hours. And and that was when we said, you know, we should do a podcast about this, you know, um, and here we are. But something about that sort of seminal moment feels, maybe I'm wrong, I don't know. Do you feel that that was somehow slightly more, uh, what's the word I want to use, real or or, or, or connective perhaps? than Simply this podcast
1: could, yeah yeah i think so i mean yeah. it, and it's it's hard to it's hard to explain why that is other than that you know that kind of cop-out that we said earlier of like you have some subconscious desire for the presence of the other yeah you know okay sure um and yeah it's it's hard for me to explain what that is without you know some kind of metaphysics of like you know man being in the image of God and God being a relational
0: thing. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I mean we might we might just be bumping up against the mystery, you know. Yeah. Um, but, but but so it's interesting
1: also that there is that this connection seems this I'll call it more intellectual connection, um, less primal. Mm-hmm. Seems like it's related to that primal thing in some way.
0: Mm, yeah.
1: So, like, if you can have a really good conversation with someone yeah. where you feel like, wow, I learned a lot from that conversation that went somewhere I never would have expected it to go. Yes. That is a powerful experience. Absolutely. That feels akin to being in someone else's presence and maybe that's because you feel like in that moment you're like in the presence of their mind as cheesy as Mm. that sounds
0: yeah 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 i like that
1: i don't know do what do you i mean what do you how do you think these things are related do you think they're related
0: i think they are related um because the psychological primal presence checkbox is related to the connective experience, the intellectual presence mm. in that we acknowledge the presence of another. Mm. Right. Okay. So it's not fully solipsistic. It's not yes. performative. It's um, well, no, 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 I think it could still be performative. Okay.
1: But you're still acknowledging that there's an audience, even yes. if you're not looking for input from them.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I might argue that, that – and, and maybe performative is a bit of a sliding scale, right? Like maybe there is still an element of performance. I'm sure there is mm-hmm. in a truly connective experience. That's not, that's not a true dichotomy in the way we sort of set it up to be at that's the fair. beginning of this conversation. But I do think that if performative is a sliding scale – that the more you can get toward the connective experience of a true exchange of ideas with someone and, and doing what we were saying, which is responding to the other person and letting the conversation go where it may based on what each other is saying and feeding off of each other, that is closer to the primal presence checkbox than simply performing in front of an audience like providing an interesting intellectual insight in a uh, discussion in a college seminar or okay yeah performing I like a this. song you know at like acoustic you know uh open mic nights you know because um, i guess to to have a performance you don't actually need an audience
1: so like you know ignoring the fact that shakespeare wrote plays for a second like hamlet's soliloquy Right. He's not talking to anyone. Yeah. I mean, he's talking to like a, a skull that he knows won't answer him. Yeah. And so he's performing without an audience. And so I if I'm if I'm understanding you correctly, you're saying that when you get more to the connective part of this, you have to acknowledge that someone else is there. Correct. And so yeah. even if I'm reading a book on a couch and we're not Talking to each other. I'm acknowledging. That this other person is there on the couch with me.
0: Yes. Even if it's just like a tiny, tiny percentage of your subconscious. I Mm. think you are. Acknowledging. You you have to. You have Mm. to acknowledge the the presence of. That other person. And so. That makes sense. Yeah. And when you can. Approximate that digitally over facetime or podcast recording or whatever or over letters you know maybe it's not digitally but just remotely sure Um, when you can approximate that then that scratches a similar itch it's maybe not the exact same because you're not physically there um but it does come closer because you are, and this is interesting because this is something that we kind of talked about in our first episode, that acknowledgement of another, Hmm. of being outside of yourself, um, and that that's the way to uh, not feel like truly quarantined in that sort of like existential aloneness Hmm. kind of way. Hmm. Existential quarantine, that is a great phrase. Yeah, that's, uh, we might have just changed the name of our podcast. <laughs> but um, so then this, uh, I think, leads us pretty nicely to the way we kicked off this episode with the absolutely. question of, like, why or have we lost our minds <laughs> through one week of quarantine? Yeah. And I'm wondering if it's because of what we sort of a conclusion that we came to earlier, which is that social media... And the the avenues through which we're used to communicating with each other remotely right now, actually are not platforms built for um, connective engagement. Right? right.
1: And but we were we were driving at the fact that that's important because it involves this acknowledgement of the other. So is there a way towards that more generally, like if social media? is encouraging more of a a performance that could be done just as well to your friend or to poor Yorick. Yeah. Is there a way that social media could be uh, designed or directed or encouraged or used to further this connective experience? Where you actually have to acknowledge another person. Mm,
0: Yeah, a couple of things come to mind. Yeah, I mean, I think the first is um, redesigning platforms so that they don't encourage performance. Hmm. Um, I don't know if this is still true, but Instagram, you know, it used to be that you, um, you know, people would like your photos and you would see how many likes you could get on a photo. This is true on a Facebook post too, or or a tweet or whatever. Hmm. Um, And I had heard at one point that Instagram was experimenting with actually hiding the number of likes that you receive
1: yeah i heard that as well um i've I've never actually had an instagram account so i don't know nice um but yeah i heard that too and actually when we're talking about it like this right now it seems like the number of likes is almost equivalent to like if you were in a band and you performed how loud the applause is
0: yeah how many tickets you sold
1: (laughs) yeah if you just get crickets like shit
0: Yeah, it means you you put yourself out there and and you were deemed unworthy, right?
1: Well, or or your performance (laughs) fell flat.
0: Yeah, 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 yeah. Now it's easy for us to... And and, and I think that that's why the social media world can be so dangerous, especially in a time like now where we're sort of robbed of that physical presence, is that um, in a performative world, um, and this is true way beyond social media or musical performance i mean this is true in like the job markets right but like it's very easy for our identity to become conflated with our performance sure um and i understand there probably is What's, a bit of a primal like performance. let's get into like, that some more okay. though yeah
1: I, I like this topic because you brought up earlier that social media encourages encourages us to create like a specific identity mm-hmm. and then we're ask, you were asking the question if you know that identity that we create in social media affects how we act in the real world. And so in some sense, we were getting at this performance thing the whole time because we were mm-hmm. asking, is your performance in the real world sort of su- supporting the role you wrote for yourself?
0: Yeah, yeah. And maybe it's a bit of a chicken-egg scenario. Um this could be a problem of humans driving, like, way before social media. I'm Definitely. My hunch is that it is. And I understand that um, there is a little bit of a performative aspect to our identity. You know, if you want to get very kind of evolutionary, you say, well, you need to present yourself as a suitable mate or, or something like that. And so you, you know, appeared. Strong and a capable hunter and a good protector and all that sort of thing, you know, and and, and maybe we're just finding the wrong channels through which to, um, you, you know, channel <laughs> that instinct. I, I don't know, but um, I think that's why we're at this kind of weird point of like, why are we going so crazy over being quarantined, even though we're technically speaking you know, quote, unquote, more connected than we've ever been. And Mm -hmm. it's because the things that, again, quote, unquote, connect us don't actually provide um, the checkboxes of, like, other-oriented and other-acknowledging connective experience. I think maybe they can, is what we were hinting at, you know, like taking away as best you can the performative aspect of like identity forming as performance on social media. And I mean, you know, I've heard success stories of people having like cocktail happy hours on zoom, or like I have a friend who's hosting a birthday party on zoom this weekend. (laughs) Um, yeah. And that's not the same. Yeah. I was invited to a game night on zoom tonight. There you go. What games y'all playing? I don't know. Fair enough. <laughs> I hope it goes organi- well. I'm not organizing it, a, it. I hope it's a connective experience.
1: Yeah, me too. I, I think it's, it's interesting the, the place we're at right now with this idea of like acknowledging the other. Because it seems like in this primal way, it's actually pretty easy to do. Like all you have to do is just be around someone physically. Right. In order to acknowledge their presence. Because they're yeah. there. You can't walk through them. Yeah. But in the virtual world, there's actually a bit more work involved.
0: Mm, Yeah, true.
1: Like you have to really engage with someone uh, and respond to their ideas in some sense. Um, Yeah. Whereas... Because
0: you have that digital barrier.
1: Yeah, because you can't feel their physical existence.
0: Mm Mm-hmm.
1: Um. that's interesting
0: yeah one thing that I just thought of as you were sort of laying that out is that what about the scenario in which we still had physical presence as an option and yet I was still more looking forward to the restaurant than the people have we gotten out of whack in terms of our letting the performative aspect of us sort of overwhelm and sort of not, necessarily. The, not necessarily the connective part So, I mean, I I can remember uh, one
1: time, just like a a particular memory, where I was sitting on the couch with someone reading a book, and I was much more excited about the book than to be sitting on the couch with them. Okay, yeah. Um, But at the same time, it was like very important to me that I was on the couch with them.
0: It, like would have been was, a, it would have been a lesser experience had that person not been there.
1: Absolutely. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um. And so, to me, it's it's a similar thing with your with your discussion of the restaurant, where like you know your fiance and your friends were going to be there, and you were mostly excited about what interesting drinks they might have. But you wouldn't have gone by yourself.
0: Mm, yeah. Okay. And yeah.
1: not just because that would feel like it wasn't true to your identity but because you really appreciated them just being there
0: oh yeah yeah
1: and so i think that's still an acknowledgement of other people's presence and i think that comes very naturally to us and i think that's why social media is kind of hard because maybe this intellectual acknowledgement doesn't come as naturally
0: yeah yeah that's good yeah so it's not even that you necessarily have to work hard to shut down some performative aspect of yourself, at least when you're in the physical presence of someone. Like it's right more important to just just be there. Just be there. Other people. Physically,
1: yeah. yeah. But I think like you said, you know, you don't have to work to shut down that performative aspect in real life. But I think you do have to work to shut that down in in the virtual world Mm -hmm. you know like you were saying when we started this podcast effectively um when i stopped by your place in nashville and that felt more real you know i think it's that's because you don't have to work as hard to shut down that performance when we're there in person but here when we're podcasting you know i've got an idea and if i don't get it onto the podcast i mean what's the point
0: Right, right, you know,
1: and and then we're not interacting
0: with each other, mm, yeah, that's good, and that's, that's because, and that's because we have to clear the hurdle of not being physically with someone,
1: I think so, because that's really you, interesting because you have to you have to get that intellectual engagement in order to acknowledge the other in the virtual yes. world,
0: yeah, 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 so. It's a mystery exactly why that physical presence is so crucial, but it is. is. So then to sort of conclude this discussion, Peter, uh, is there a way for uh, our adoring audience members, which maybe we need two hands to count on now? I'm not sure. Yeah,
1: I saw a couple. I was looking on the podcast stats, and it seems like we've had like almost 30 listens altogether.
0: Hey, that's... So you, you can measure our listens in the tens. Hey, that's pretty amazing. Well, in that spirit, so since we're asking the question, have we lost our minds after just one week of quarantine, uh, what would you say is a way for us to keep from losing our minds during what looks like it's going to be a longer quarantine?
1: It's a great question. I think when you talk to people... On the phone, or via Facetime, or any any other time, don't go into it planning to say something.
0: Mm. Yeah,
1: don't go in it planning to say anything at all. Just listen, and then say back whatever it is, whatever it is that you think is appropriate given what they said. And I think you know I've heard a lot of advice, and you've probably heard this too about active listening which always sounds to me like bullshit because um, <laughs> it seems like it's like oh you know use this formula so that they feel like they're getting their points in too
0: mm-hmm. and i'm just yeah.
1: like Ugh. Um, but if you if you don't have a plan to make any points and you just want to listen to what they have to say then i think that will you know help remind you that there is a real person on the other end of that conversation
0: yeah that's good and then good.
1: let the conversation take you somewhere surprising
0: yeah yeah and ask questions instead of making points too i might add to that yeah um and 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 maybe they can start as like small talk questions you know what's up how are you doing how's yeah. the weather where you are but and not with a plan
1: to respond with how you're doing or how right. the weather is where you are
0: yes allow a um, imagined digital room where a person's voice can provide that primal presence in some way, mm. or at least an approximation mm. of that primal presence hmm. of like literally try to imagine yourself sitting next to this person in a room and you have that conversation. Uh, see what that might look like. I like that. Should we wrap it up here? I think so. I, I'm, I'm glad, Peter, that we got to meet in this digital room and uh, scratch each other's primal presence itch. It's Me a, as it's well. It's a real joy. Yeah. Um, stay healthy out there, both you, Peter, and our uh, tens of listeners. Um, I'm Tom. I'm quarantined in Nashville, and I hope to write a novel and start a garden while I'm quarantined.
1: Uh, I'm Peter. I'm quarantined here in Boulder, and I'm trying to learn how to cook. So thank you all for listening, and this is The Nature of Things.